Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. I'm, of course, your host, Colin. Follow me at Colin Home Ice on Twitter. And the Carolina Hurricanes have finally lost. Aww. I know, I know. It's, it's all very sad. And, of course, it had to be the New York Rangers. Of all the teams in the league, of all 31 other teams in the league, it had to be the New York Rangers to end the streak. A quick side note before I get away from it. The New York Rangers are just doing this this year. They're the same team that ended New Jersey's 13-game win streak, and they're the only team to have lost in regulation to the Anaheim Ducks. It's, I don't know what they're doing in New Jersey, but they're just messing with people. That's, that's honestly what it is. Uh, the 17-game point streak comes to an end, franchise record. The 11-game franchise record win streak also comes to an end. Um, Piotr Kochekov gets his first regulation loss during the regular season. Ultimately, all those things were cool. Like, it, it was nice. Uh, we were experiencing history, in a way, with each game that passed. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's one of 82 games. The Hurricanes still have a very impressive record at 25-7-6. and six. You know, that's nothing to sneeze at. We still lead the Metro Division by seven points. We're still second in the NHL. So there's nothing to complain about. And I will say, I am very proud of Hurricane social media. There was some overreaction, don't get me wrong, but there wasn't a lot of overreaction. And I, you know what? Hashtag proud, guys. Hashtag proud. Um, if you think uh, Kochekov is uh, the sole, holds the sole responsibility for last night's loss, you're, I don't know, tell you. I mean, just go touch some grass. Uh, he was clearly rusty. It was what it was. Uh, but before we get into it, you know, let's actually start the show. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. I want to start this with uh, great news, exciting news, fabulous news. The Carolina Hurricanes are receiving recognition from around the league. And, the, you know, this doesn't happen a lot. Guys, gals, anyone in between? The Carolina Hurricanes almost never get national coverage, excluding when we have national games. And it's not because they hate us or they want us to lose or whatever. We're a smaller market. I mean, that we can say that. We can admit that, right? We're a smaller market, and it doesn't pay to play Hurricanes highlights for 30 minutes straight on ESPN. No one, no, I shouldn't say no one wants to watch that. I would love that. But the majority of people watching the channel won't care. Uh, and, you know, we're fixing that. And as part of that, earlier this year, Kochekov was robbed for th uh, the three stars of the week in the NHL when he had his uh, shutout streak. The first week of December, actually, I'm sorry, the first week of January, Auntie Ranta 
gets the third star of the week in the NHL for his shutout streak, which is great, amazing. Finally, some acknowledgement of the streak Carolina was putting together. Kochekov did receive Rookie of the Month honors for December, so there's that. And then I didn't know this was a thing, but the coaching staff, so Jeff Daniels, Tim Gleason, and head coach Rod Brindamore received Coaching Staff of the Month honors from the NHL Coaches Association, which I had no idea was a thing. I just found out because the Hurricanes were honored, uh, and I'm a fan of it. Uh, you know what? We should keep doing this and keep giving it to the Hurricanes because uh, best of all time. Let's go. We're about, to win. We're about to ring off like six, seven cups here, right? That's, that's, that's the dream I should have. I just want you to know that if you said no, uh, you're not a trill, a trill, a true, real Hurricanes fan. Um, not great when I can't speak the English to be able to trash talk, but whatever. Uh, I do want to touch on aspects of last night's game. So the Carolina Hurricanes, again, lose snapping both of their streaks. Actually, it was three streaks because it was the road win, win, and point streaks were all snapped. Um, all of them were on franchise record levels of length. And it's unfortunate. At the end of the day, again, I, I don't think you should overreact to this. Uh, it's cool whenever a team can, you know, ring off 10 wins in a row. Losing is going to happen in this league. Everyone in this league, whether they play for Las Vegas or Arizona Montreal, it doesn't matter. Pick your team. They're all professional hockey players. They all want to win. No player is sitting in the locker room like, well, we have to lose tonight for Bedard. That, that's not how a player thinks at all. Maybe there's some people in management that think that way, but no player wants to lose. Hurricanes lose, though. 5-3 to three in Madison Square Garden. They, you know, if you're, if you're going to write the movie script of how the Hurricanes are supposed to lose, it was against the New York Rangers inside of Madison Square Garden. Um, Stefan Nason did leave uh, practice. Uh, did practice, excuse me. He did leave the game early in the fourth period. He took a bad spill. Uh, looks like he might have done something to his ankle. Not going to speculate. Uh, but he left the game. He tried to come back in the second. Didn't quite. Uh, walk out, I guess, because he instantly went back to the dressing room, didn't try again for the rest of the night. And then he wasn't at practice today, Wednesday. And Rod Brindamore was asked right after practice, you know, because reporters, uh, hey, what's going on with Stefan Nason? Do you think he's going to make a return? Is this going to be a long absence? And this is what he had to say. Yeah, I think he'll be all right. Uh, find out tomorrow. Right. Just kept him off today. I think he'll be fine. We'll find out tomorrow, I guess. If he's not in the lineup, I'm assuming they're going to go with 11 forwards. Uh, Pacioretty will not be thrown in because Natchez, uh, Natchez, sorry, uh, Nason isn't ready. And we'll go from there. Uh, the other one thing, um, I, you know, I don't want to focus on the, the loss because it did hurt. It, it's funny. It's almost like we forgot what it felt like to lose. You know, we, we, we hadn't lost a game in regulation since November 25th. It's been over a month since we've lost regulation. And we f forgive us if we forgot what it was like to be mortal. Anyways, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get stuck in the crazy fanatic fan mindset. The other thing I wanted to address is I saw comments post-game about how the, the loss was completely on Kochekov. And that's just stupid. 
but specific points I saw was that one, um, this is why you shouldn't have ran with Ranta for so long because it let Kochekov get rusty. I mean, maybe, but probably not because you, we all, I shouldn't say we all, it's some people have decided that Auntie Ranta is the worst goalie in the organization since Scott Darling. And that's stupid. That is the stupidest thing ever. Like, just point, period, done. He is not. His own shutout streak now ranks third in franchise history. What, what do you want from him? He literally posted two shutouts, and everyone was like, oh, he's garbage. Well, they were against soft teams. Who cares? Okay, he still did it. He still didn't allow a goal. What do you want from him? Not the point. Uh, so, of course, you're supposed to write the hot hand there. That's what you're supposed to do with goalies. Is what you're supposed to do in hockey. So that's just a dumb take. It's unfortunate that Kochekov got rusty. But again, the team wanted to see how he would react to this. And clearly, it's not so good when you leave him on the shelf for a little bit. And then the other thing I saw was that there was a book on Kochekov, and that's why we lost. I disagree. Disagree. Kochekov uses so many like old-school tactics that players haven't seen in a decade plus that while there are probably a few things, he, he guesses a little bit too soon. For example, that's what happened with the... Um, uh, the Savannah Jet goal. When he was trying to get it to Trocek, it goes a bit too far for Trocek. But in Kochekov's head, he was trying to cheat the game a little bit. And he was assuming that Trocek was going to get the puck, try to go on his right side. And obviously, Trocek missed it. It squeezes in five hole. And Kochekov's going to want that back every day of the week. He guessed a little bit too soon. It happens with him specifically, but besides that, besides him guessing too soon, which is a problem that I'm sure will be addressed, he doesn't, like, he has no noted problems, that there isn't going to be a buck on him. Ultimately, this is just, you know, fans lost to the Rangers, they're looking for reasons, and you can, again, look for reasons, be a fan, that's fine. Just don't blame it on a 23-year-old goaltender who has played for you unimaginably because he got his forced regulation loss in 14 starts like i don't i don't know guys expectations might be a little too high on that one <laughs> um we'll go to a interview actually so don riddell was on the jeff merrick show which is a radio show slash podcast it's a radio show if you live in canada on uh, sportsnet and if you don't, it's a radio show. And I'll link it down below. We're going to play a few clips here. But I would listen to the entire episode. Honestly, it's a lot about the Hurricanes. And it's just a good time to hear not only national media, but Canadian national media talking about the Hurricanes. And if you, if you don't know, uh, Jeff Merrick is the co-host of 32 Thoughts with Elliot Friedman. Also a big hockey reporter. And it's a good time. I'm clearly not going to play the full interview. I mean, I already play it fast and loose with copyright laws, but that's just, you know, a crime. So instead, I'm going to pick specific topics and let you hear the conversation. Again, link down below will be the full episode. I suggest you listen to it. It is fascinating on a bunch of different levels. But we'll start first with the goaltending situation in Carolina. Uh, I, I know the old saying is you never let someone injure themselves out of a position or out of their spot. But, you know, when you have three healthy goaltenders, 
Will there will there be three goalies with the Carolina Hurricanes? Uh, I know that no one likes a three-goalie system. Everyone talks about how, yeah, we can make it work, but it, and, and seldom, if ever, does. Um, but would the Carolina Hurricanes entertain the idea of keeping three goalies? I think at this point in the season, we would. You know, if you were talking the first couple weeks of the season, that's really tough to get through because you don't get enough practice time. But, you know, when you're you're yeah. going to be almost halfway through the season by the time Anderson comes back, uh, hopefully he's back here in the next week or so. Um, I, I do think that uh, we're in a position now where we're, we're a little bit forced probably to carry three and, you know, we'll try to find as much time as we can for uh, each of them because you want to keep them all playing. Uh, but I think as we look at it right now, when I look at our cap and try to figure it out on a daily basis, I think we've created a, a situation where we'd be able to keep all three guys, not only from a cap, but from a roster standpoint. There you have it, after months of speculation about a trade or, you know, sending Kochek off to the AHL or whatever, Don Riddell right there, yeah, we're just going to run three goalies. We have the cap space for it. Uh, it's going to be hard, but we'll make it work. So, th- you know, that should be the end of that discussion, but knowing hockey, it's not. We'll still be talking about this come April. But in Waddell's vision... We're just going to run three goalies for the rest of the year. The second part, and it's the only other part of the interview I will touch on. Um, there's a, a lot in this interview, whether it's trade deadline. Uh, there's a good story about Martin Natchez. But I'm going to end with Jordan Stahl's contract extension. Longtime listeners of the show will know that I thought this would be his last year. I thought he would retire at the end of this monster contract and go play golf at Pebble Beach with his brothers and just enjoy the rest of his life. I was wrong. Um, we don't have to get into why I was wrong, but Jordan Stahl said very early on into the season that I'm an idiot. Uh, so, yeah. Jeff Merrick is asking whether or not Don Waddell has talked to um, Jordan Stahl about an extension. Um, speaking of culture and locker room, and I'm not saying this would be a decision based on that because he's still a very high performer. Um, is there any update or any discussion on a Jordan Stahl extension? No, I've had talks with his, uh, his agent recurrent. Uh, we talked beginning of the season and, uh, you know, we both, we both know that the end result is we want Jordan to finish his career and, and, and Raleigh, and Jordan wants to finish his career here. So in time, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, you know, it's trying to, as you know, there's been a lot of talk about the cap, what the cap's doing next year. I'd like to have a little more yep. clearer picture on, on that. I find that very, very interesting. Waiting to see what happens with the cap. You can take this in several different directions, and it's my show, so I will. One is that... They will sign Jordan Stahl with whatever space they have left. So come next year, they only have $900 million to give away. Jordan Stahl will get the $900 million. If they only have $750,000, he'll only get seven hundred and fifty. Or, hey, maybe they have $1.5 left. They'll get $1.5. And it's going to, in theory, of course, this is galaxy-braining to the max. Um, but in theory... They are going to maximize as much of the cap space they can to have a competitive team next season, and Jordan Stahl will play ball because, first of all, he is a hurricane through and through at this point, and he wants his best possible chance of winning another Stanley Cup. 
I could be way off base here, and they could just be, you know, they're going to pencil them in at $2 million and, you know, right out the rest of the season. But I would much rather Jordan Stahl takes a very team-friendly deal, let us maximize the cap, and let us see what we can get done in the offseason. And that's what it seems like. That's what it's, I'm not promising anything, okay? No one, no one well, Colin said if Jordan Stahl signs to a $4 million contract. I'm just spitballing, but I think it's a possibility. Again, listen to the full episode of Jeff, uh, the Jeff Merrick Show. Link down below. Great listen. From here, I want to transition to uh, what will be our final topics of the episode. Rod Brindamore, as always, spoke to the media following uh, practice on Wednesday, today. And there was a, there was a couple gems in there that I, I just want to share with everyone. The first one was Stefan Nason will most likely be back tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, which you've already heard. But from there, he was asked if Max Pacioretty would join the lineup sooner if Nason is out of the lineup long-term or short-term. Obviously, Max is very close to returning. Would, would Steph's status have any bearing on that? Like, Would you would you think maybe we'd use Max if Steph can't go? Give him a shot. No, it's irrelevant to that. I mean, if Max is getting, or he's getting closer, but it's, you know, we're not going to push him in because we have another injury or something. No, that wouldn't happen. This is an unknown, known type of answer from Rod Brindamore. So I'm not dunking on the reporter who asked the question. It's a good question. But once you hear Brindamore say it like that, you're like, oh, yeah, I I did know that, didn't you? Like, (laughs) I, I, of course, knew that he wouldn't rush someone back because someone else got injured. That is blame Rod Brindamore material there. He would never put another player in Holmes Ray because of another player. But expect Pacioretty back within the next like week, week and a half. It's it's getting real close here. And Brindamore actually made like a offhand at kind of passing comment on where Pacioretty will be in the lineup when he comes back, which has been a topic of conversation recently as he's gotten closer and closer. I guess I should just let you hear the full question and answer. So Walt Ruff is the reporter asking the question and you'll hear Rod's answer. My one piece of advice is listen very carefully to what he says at the end. As we get closer to Max's debut, what have you maybe learned about him over the last five months and his desire to get back and healthy? Well, he's worked really hard and um, done everything that he was supposed to do and, you know, uh, with major intent to get back as quickly as possible. So, you know, we're... We're getting close, that's for sure. And, you know, again, it's going to take time. You know, when he gets in there, it's, it's going to take him some time to get to where we use him. I'm going to, you know, he's not going to slot in right away where I, I think he'll end up, but I think we'll just kind of baby steps as we go and get his feet wet. Baby steps as we go and get his feet wet. This is a clear answer, and it's not unpredictable. In fact, it it's what he should do as a good coach. Max Pacioretty is not a bottom six forward. Right off the bat, he is not a bottom six forward. However, he hasn't played all season. You can't throw him... Well, you can. It would be bad. But you should not throw him on the top line and be like, okay, we'll have fun with your 20 minutes. Have fun with your 22 minutes. That's not going to be good for him. He's not going to play well. He's not going to play to his highest standard. But if you start him on the fourth line... 
maybe throw him down there with uh, Nason and Kakanyemi. He can do some good things. The whole point isn't to bring him back and then expect him to score, you know, three hat tricks and uh, ten games and be the best goal scorer on the roster. It's to ease him back into the game, much like Brindamore said. Just get his feet wet on the fourth line, twelve minutes a game, fourteen minutes a game, and then as he starts developing back to what his true game is, move him up the lineup. If you know, two weeks, two weeks actually seems like a really long time. Um, sorry, if like two games later he's playing really well, move him up to the second line. Playing really well still? Move him up to the top line. Ultimately, I have no idea where Stastny will fit into the lineup long term. I would like to see him on a line uh, where Svechnikov is right ring, Pacioretty is left ring, and Natchez is at center. I think Natchez has earned the right to at least get a look at center. It's still fairly early into the season, so it's not like we couldn't recover if something goes terribly, but I think he deserves the look, and I like the idea of Natchez and Svechnikov, who have already been on fire this season, getting to work with Stas or Stasny, excuse me, with uh, Pacioretty as he gets back to his game. Something interesting happens every time a player returns, um, and I, I mean like a player who played for the Hurricanes and they're now a part of another organization. Of course, we play the video in the building, people clap, they stand up, um, recent additions, TDA, um, Stephen Lawrence, Dougie Hamilton, all these people, uh, Vincent Troach, oh, Vinny hasn't been back to the building yet, anyway, it's not my point, but all these people when they come back, it's celebrated, and I've always wondered how it has to feel to be someone like Rod, who cares so much about the players. Um, he is a player's coach, but not in the sense that he'll let you do whatever you want. It's that he really cares about you as a person. So I've always wondered, what does it feel like for him when a player departs? And it's a business decision, clearly. But they depart. They make that active choice that I would rather make more money than play for you. Which, you know, I don't think his ego is big. That's not what I'm saying. But it's, I've always wondered what goes through his head in this moment. And, well, he answered that question. <laughs> You're looking forward to seeing, you know, I know I know you always say, like, well, I don't want him to have a good game against us, but yeah. the guy who was pretty important to turn sure. around here as well. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, again, you know, business is business. I don't ever begrudge players for doing what they have to do financially. I mean, they, they get X amount of years to play. So, um, you know, but that, that that's, we all know we, you know, Nino was great for us, and then we, you know, we appreciated uh, what he did for us. I, yeah, okay. Right? Like, again, that's one of those unknown, known questions. He says it, and you're like, well, of course. Why would I even want to ask this question? Why am I so stupid? Um, the, the question we're going to end with is from Luke DeCock, and it's from the same scrum after practice on Wednesday. I'm just going to play the exchange, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. But... I think it was a very needed question by Luke DeCock. That's what I'll give you from the top. Well, you, obviously, you you had the winning streak and all of that, but when you look at sort of the overall performance, it, it does seem like maybe there's, on the power play or other areas, there's still places you yeah. guys can go. Well, this is, all of it, all our game could be better. Um, we had, you know, stints here or there or things, but that's, I mean, I would expect that. You know, so you're always working on something, and, you know, we're, we're definitely know the special teams is an area that we have to get better because you just saw last night. You get create crazy calls. You, you could be playing the best game, and then boom, boom, boom. There's three penalties that were not penalties. Actually, four. They had one where Troach tripped over our goalie, and we got a penalty for it, right? So 
but that's going to happen. The game's too fast. Until they change the rules and give the refs an opportunity to quickly look at it, that's going to happen. So you have to be able to kill a penalty. And we did. I mean, marginally, I thought we did. It just it was weird bounce. But you're getting stressed because you're on, in the penalty box. So, And then on the power play, vice versa, you have to be able to – you're going to get those calls, hopefully, and then you got to make it count. So it's it, – it's going to be a huge emphasis moving forward. It has been all year, but we know how important it is because, uh, I mean, that was the game last night. I don't know how I feel about Brendan Moore's answer. If I'm going to be 100,000 bajillion percent honest, it feels like he's copying out. It feels like he doesn't want to answer the question that needs an answer. This team is good. I'm not going to say this team isn't good. I mean, we just again, came off of a 11-game winning streak, a 17-game point streak, and we're currently ranked second in the league with a 25-7-6 and six record. This is a good hockey team. That's not what I'm saying. But there are aspects of our game that are downright awful, and our power play is one of those. There are nights where our power play is more of a liability than it is an opportunity to cash in. And I don't know, I don't understand how it could still be a problem for this long and us not have any real answers on it. So off the top, this is not Jeff Daniels' fault. I know a lot of people want to blame Jeff Daniels. Rod Brindamore runs his power play. Uh, Just, that's it, period, done. Rod Brindamore runs his power play. And... I don't know if they need a specialist um, or if maybe Jeff Daniels should start running the power play. And this is not a Rod's the worst coach ever type conversation. It's a, listen, we're going on three years now of having a not only not good power play, but a power play that leads us to make mistakes and, you know, gives up chances for the team that should be, you know, dying in their defensive zone. And I just don't feel like he answered the question here. I feel like he obfuscated and tried to blame the Rangers' loss on bad calls, which wasn't really at the heart of the question. And I'll give you there was bad calls, but if we had cashed in on a power play, you know, the game wouldn't have gone that way. So I don't know. It It's definitely something we need to keep talking about, even when the team's good. That That's what bothered me so much when uh, we were winning and people were looking for things to complain about, so they complained about Walter Ruff and Auntie Ranta. That's insane. You're, you're, you're being dumb because there's still things for us to talk about. We are, we are very good defensively, and 5-on-5, five five, still very, very good. Our depth players are even starting to score. What's going on with our power play? In no way, and no disrespect to him, but in no way should um, Nelson, Nason, sorry, Nason, uh, be leading with six power play goals. Are you kidding me? No, again, absolutely no offense to him, but he was in the AHL last year. He, he, this is his first real season back in the league, and he's leading our power play. You know who else plays on that power play? Brent Barnes. Sebastian Ajo. Martin Natchez, Andrei Svechnikov, like we, uh, Seth Jarvis, like we have honest to God people who can put the puck behind the net, put the biscuit in the basket, uh, Bojangles, anyways, and it, it doesn't seem to get done, and rather than, and you know what, to be fair, he they practice um, the man advantage a lot, almost every practice, but 
I don't know, guys. If you can still say that, like, we'll be fine um, and not at least acknowledge that our power play needs to be better, put down your cup. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Because it, it, it's, it's a real topic of conversation at this point. And we never seem to get any answers when it comes up. It's like, well, the power play's bad. Well, we did just have that 11-game winning streak. Cool. Power play's still bad. Like in that eleven-game winning streak, we gave up two shorthanded goals in the same game. Like I don't know, it it isn't the end of the world if we don't fix it, but our chances of actually winning the cup are exponentially higher if we can get our power play to the high twenties. That's all we need, and it's been getting better. I should I should say that. So through December. It was getting better. It went from second to last in the league to I think we're in the middle of the pack right now. So it's getting better. But if we could just, you know, I don't even need it to be lethal. It just needs to be dangerous. We need a dangerous power play. And that, for everything we've ever done, for as good as our goalies have been, for as good as our penalty kill has been, for as, how much Sebastian Ajo, Martin Natchez, and Andrei Svechnikov have grown as men, as players... We have never, ever, ever had a good power play under the current regime. And it's 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 not concerning because we're still going to win games. It makes it harder to win the cup. That's, that's it. That's the basic thing. It makes it harder to win the cup. And it needs to be talked about. It needs to be addressed. And we need to make it a bigger thing than it is even when the team's winning. That's what you can complain about, okay? The power play. The power play is not great. It's kind of garbage. It's a hot dumpster fire. And if you can't acknowledge that, I'm sorry. Put down the Kool-Aid. Thank you, as always, for listening to Home Ice Advantage. If you've made it all the way to the end, you might as well subscribe it, share with your friends, rate us wherever you're listening. Appreciate it. You don't have to do all three. Hey, I want to mention that. You can do just one of those, and it would still be insanely helpful to the cause. I will be back on Saturday. Uh, there was a chance you will be getting an extra bonus episode next week. I don't know yet. It's in the works. We'll find out. Uh, but thank you for listening. Share the show. Like the show. Follow me on Twitter at Colin Homeice, and I will talk to you again on Saturday. Also, check out the Homeice Advantage blog, link down below. Okay, bye, but for real this time, bye!